Chris Paul is gone from the Phoenix Suns. We thought it could happen. We didn't know quite how, and it does not seem like he was too happy about it. On today's episode of Locked on Suns, we'll talk about CP3's exit and the Isaiah Thomas bombshell that he dropped on Suns fans as he left. You are Locked on Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I'm your host, Brendan Clean, a credentialed media member covering the Suns for the past six seasons, a writer at suns.com, and the host of the Just Basketball Show, wherever you get your podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Suns your first listen on Wednesday, June 21st, one day before the draft. Hit follow or subscribe to get this show in your feed every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms, including YouTube. You can become an everydayer and get locked on to the Phoenix Suns just by hitting follow or subscribe and get this show in your feed. Every single Monday through Friday, some bonus shows when craziness happens, such as Bradley Beal getting traded to the Suns. You'll get an extra show uh, if, if anything like that happens. Not sure if it will, but you never know. This team is crazy. Joining us, as he does every week, is Aaron Edwards. A little early, as I have some travel later in the week, but I think it's a good day to do it, Aaron, because we have some drama to talk about. And uh, I didn't want to do that solo, so it's good to have you. Uh, today's show, guys, brought to you by FanDuel, the official sports book of the Locked On Podcast Network. Make every moment more by visiting FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, so the drama that I'm talking about, for anybody who missed it, is that Chris Paul gave a couple of interviews because this deal went down for Beal and Paul uh, as Chris was already headed to New York to promote his book. So he's on Good Morning America. He's on... Uh, he does an interview with the New York Times, I think one with GQ also, and uh, basically says that he was kind of blindsided by the trade, and then in the New York Times interview says Isaiah and Matt must have wanted to go a different direction. He apparently had, I think, breakfast with James Jones like last week, late last week, and then by Sunday, obviously, the deal goes down, and he is uh, not trying to hide at all who he thinks was behind all of this. So we'll get to the Isaiah Thomas part of it in more depth in the next segment, Aaron. But as far as Chris, honestly, I don't know if this is sappy, but it it does kind of suck to me that um, it seems like this ended a little ugly. And from Chris's standpoint, that seems to be what happens in every single stop that he has. And from the Sun's standpoint, this is a dude who is pretty important to their legacy and history as a franchise. and, And it's another dude kind of cast aside for something bigger and better. Yeah, I was on the other side of this at first, but now I'm kind of just in the business part of it. Yeah, like, yeah, it sucks. It ended early, but he got to 30 million. Like, he got that because of this. And Maybe. Still not positive, but he at least I'm, got like 25. Yeah. So I mean, that helps. He's, he's getting a lot of it. And yeah, yeah like, he's not going to probably be a part of like a contender or anything. But it when you're a 38 year old at the end of your career and you're owed this kind of money, like, I don't think there is a possible way for it to end pretty. Like, I don't think that there was a way out yeah. of that. I think the Dame, Dame's only like 32. And I think that's not going to be pretty. And because of the money, the bill thing, he got lucky because of the no trade clause. So it didn't end super ugly, but in most cases, an old guy in this much money is not going to equal a pretty breakup. And they kind of just have to rip the bandaid off because 
it had to happen. And that's why, like, I'm never going to stick up with the Isaiah Thomas part of it. But it was going to happen. So it's like blaming Isaiah Thomas for, like, saying the sky is blue. Like, this was going to happen regardless. And him mentioning the Isaiah Thomas part is kind of just trying to put salt in it, which I understand. Like, you want to be petty, be petty. Like, burn the door on the way out. Burn the room on (laughs) your way out. Like, I don't care. But to blame Isaiah Thomas for this when it was supposed to happen anyway, like, I don't care who the GM is. I don't care who the owner is. This had to happen. So, like, yeah, it's sure. Like, I hate that it ended ugly. But when somebody's this old is making this much money, it's going to end ugly. Yeah, I hear all that. And it does sound like if you kind of read between the lines of all the different angles of this, because it all started with Chris Paul leaking to Chris Haynes or him and his agent, whatever you want to say, leaking out that, well, they're about to cut me. You know, how how bad is that? Like, you know, pile on the suns. They're, they're, they're being... Uh, you know, mistreating a legend type of thing, trying to get sympathy on his side and all that stuff. So we obviously didn't really want to be cut um, outright. And and then you hear Gambo saying he he seemed to be kind of turned off by the idea of any of the waving and coming back types of shenanigans the Suns might have wanted to pull. And then now he obviously didn't like that he got traded. So I agree with you that I'm not really sure what would have made Chris Paul happy outside of making the $30 million and staying in Phoenix. Um, personally, I, I guess I don't really get why uh, it is that he would have preferred that anyway because it sounds like what's about to happen is he's either going to get traded to the Clippers or he's going to get cut by the Wizards and then end up on either the Clippers or the Lakers. And those all seem better. Uh, in terms of basketball fit and and being close to his family and everything else. So I'm not really sure, I guess, uh, from that perspective, what exactly he was hoping for. But the part of it that does intrigue me here is, and I'm just going to ask it to you outright, and we might run the risk of calling another man a liar, and that's okay. Um, Do you buy that, that James Jones was on some sort of different side of this? Because you're totally right that this is where this was headed. I mean, this the structure of his contract was built in so the Suns would have the flexibility to cut him or stretch him or do all this different stuff, and they're just making taking advantage of what they agreed on two years ago. So I guess I just kind of wonder, is that breakfast that happened, wherever that was at some nice little place in Scottsdale or something, was that... Was there a different message coming across? Like, did, did James Jones see a way to keep this guy and, and, every, and, and not, like, I just, that's the part where I start to, to wonder, and, and I do sort of think there's maybe something more here. Yeah, I know, like, we don't want to, like, we're going to run the risk of calling somebody a liar, but in this scenario, somebody is lying. <laughs> like, I think <laughs> yeah. that either James Jones was telling Chris Paul that a 38-year-old was our future, and we we're going to be able to win a ring with him, and we're going to figure out the money and all that stuff. Or Chris Paul just kind of misread it and is lying right now because I think every fan, every person knew that we wanted to get from out of this contract. And we said it the yeah. day after the our season ended. We're like, why are they giving him this vote of confidence so early when free agency hasn't hit? There was no point in putting that out. We, we talked about this like a couple shows ago. It was like there was no point in saying we're giving Chris Paul all this money. We're keeping them all this like a week, like months early, like months too early even. And so all of that seemed weird even to begin with. So I don't know why he would think that 
this wasn't going to happen. Like the roster had to yeah. change. They were making the changes already coach wise. Like, I just don't understand what he thought would happen. He kept saying this is a business. So I don't understand. Like you've been in this long enough. You knew something like this had to be possible. Yeah. And let me clarify. Cause I, I hear you when you were saying a minute ago, like, uh, you know, everyone knew it was headed this way. When I said, I'm, I'm bummed that it is like having to be the NBA, you know, petty drama, you know, nonsense on the way out here. I'm not just saying that from the sun side or whatever regarding Isaiah Thomas or anything else. I'm also saying it from his side. It's just, it, it's obnoxious, I guess, to me that like people can't just kind of be adults here when everybody's making millions and millions of dollars. And like (laughs) in the grand scheme of things, everybody is sort of getting what they want. It seems like Chris Paul wanted the money and to be able to go where he wants to go, unless the Wizards really screw him and just sort of refuse to play ball, it seems like he will get that. The Suns wanted Bradley Beal. They have him. I'm not really sure who, you know, why anyone is is necessarily frustrated outside of James Jones, who might very well be, uh, you know, uh, losing some of his control here, which we can get to in a minute. But I'm saying that on the Chris Paul side, too. And it does seem like he deserves some blame in, in a lot of these situations for kind of having to just like twist the knife on his way out. It's like, it doesn't seem like he's ever, ever able to just make peace with whatever it is that goes on in his various pit stops throughout his career, which I don't know what that is. I'm not trying to get in his head, but it's weird and it sucks. Yeah. I think the only time it wasn't messy was the no stakes one. Like, okay. So he was like, you're a legend. We're going to do this for you. And there was no stakes behind it. It was just doing something for a guy. This there's the, you got your extension. We paid you that, and the money was involved this time. And you didn't finish out the playoffs, and you were hurt during the season, and you're owed this yeah. much money. Like all of it, just this is how legends kind of go out. So I don't understand yeah. if he thought he was different or anything like that. We got rid of Melo with no no inkling of letting him back. Like he had it way worse than this, and he yeah. kind of just took his licks and was like, "All right, yeah, I guess it's happening." But Chris Paul, like, I think he just thought he was better than this. And when you're owed that much money and you're not finishing another playoff series, I don't understand what you wanted them to do. I mean, even LeBron, right? Like, his team is sort of just refusing to do what it is that he wants them to do this offseason. Like, they're not going to do much in the way of trying to get Kyrie, it seems like. They're not going out and, and, you know, trying to sign and trade their free agents for this and that. It sounds like they're just going to sign their young guys who had breakout postseasons and then just roll it forward because they're just not in the business of trying to make a guy happy who isn't able to be the end-all, be-all for their team anymore. And it's crazy to say that about LeBron. It's less crazy to say that about Chris Paul. And so it just sort of, like you said multiple times now, it it is where this was headed. Uh, We'll see kind of what falls out from there. I would not be opposed to some sort of, you know, eventual, I don't know if it's a Jersey retirement because he was only here for three years, but some sort of something to honor the dude because he does deserve that. Uh, But let's talk about the Isaiah Thomas part of this because I think it's more interesting going forward because that's a guy who very well could have power in this organization moving uh, into the future, whereas Chris Paul is gone. We'll get to what we think is actually going on, what we don't know, and what it all means next. First, today's show brought to you by BetterHelp. BetterHelp is here to help you get access, make it easy, make it smooth to a licensed therapist online. It's easy to get caught up in what everyone else needs from you and never take a moment to think about what you need from yourself. 
When we spend all of our time giving, it can leave us feeling stretched thin or burned out, and therapy can give you the tools to find more balance in your life so you can keep supporting others without leaving yourself behind. It's been a crazy few years. Everybody knows that uh, whatever part of your life you're in, it might feel like it's not time for you to be doing this. It might feel like you don't have this big moment that, that creates the opening for it, but everybody can benefit. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Find more balance with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LockedOnNBA today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash LockedOnNBA. Okay, Aaron, so uh, Isaiah Thomas is somebody that all the way dating back to prior to Matt Ishbia ever even becoming the official owner of this team when he made his first appearance courtside that Chris Haynes was doing the game and, and dropped the bomb that Isaiah Thomas was expected to have a role. Then uh, the comms group headed up by Adam Mendelson, which is LeBron's kind of right-hand man. Uh, that's the team that is behind a lot of this Ishbia outward going on Bill Simmons and all this stuff. They come and do damage control. Then Ishbia has to ask for it, uh, answer for it at his introductory press conference. He says that Isaiah Thomas is not going to have a formal role. That's very, you know, political speak in terms of he's not going to have a formal role. What does that really mean? Does that mean he has no role or just one that's not paid and listed on the, ta the, the staff directory? And now we get Chris Paul reiterating multiple times in this New York Times interview, basically, that he thinks Isaiah... And Matt wanted to go a different direction. Um, not an accident. What do you make of all of this? And how... What do you make of all of this? Let me start there. <laughs> I think a lot of it, a high percentage of it, it was just Chris Paul trying to set fire on his way up. I think he knew the magic words. He knew what the fans wouldn't like. He knew what would blow up. And he's too smart for that. Like, he knew exactly what this would do. Because I just don't – I don't see how leaving James Jones out of a decision that he was going to have to make regardless is fair. Like, it, like, I understand he might be your boy. You had breakfast with him. You guys had a chat. But it's just – it's crazy to put it all on Ishbia and Isaiah Thomas, apparently, when James Jones is the GM – and this had to happen. And we talked about this in the last segment, yeah. but it just seems like he was just trying to set fire to it because he could have said James Jones, the GM, but it seems like he was, it's like a new owner. He don't got a relationship with him. I think somebody said mm -hmm. that Paul might be the first player to like Sarver more than his new owner. Like, <laughs> I think that... He did ask to be here when Sarver was <laughs> still in charge before we knew anything about all the craziness, so... Yeah, I just don't think that Chris Paul liked that the new owner came and that was one of the changes the owner possibly wanted to make. But it wasn't, it can't have all been on Ishbia because if that means it's all on us too. Because if we have Ishbia's job, if we had James Jones's job, everybody that's a Suns fan would have probably made this decision. So he would have had to be mad at everybody, not just those two guys. So let me ask you this, because this is the part where I start to get confused, and 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 it's not always great uh, podcasting to have to just sit here and be like, I don't know. But <laughs> in this case, I don't fully get it because while I hear what you're saying, 
obviously Chris Paul did this. And I don't think as much as I very quickly added the nickname of Petty God uh, on top of the Point God nickname by the time I had watched him for like one month and seen how he kind of moved and operated behind the scenes. Um, this is another level just just for the sake of doing it. Like just to just to set fire to something. It doesn't, I mean, he's a grown man with a lot of, you know, <laughs> relationships. It doesn't seem like the type of thing that he would necessarily just do just to do it. So I feel like there must be something behind his concern over Isaiah Thomas. I don't know if it's a moral thing. We can talk about that part of it in a second because it's important, but I don't know if it's that. Uh, we don't normally see athletes go that far on this stuff. Um, I don't know if it's just that he thinks Isaiah Thomas has been super involved in making a bunch of bad decisions, or maybe there's stuff that almost happened or might happen that Chris Paul knows about that we don't, that he's worried about in the future. But it doesn't just seem like trying to protect James Jones. James Jones gets paid a lot of money, has a guaranteed contract, and a lot of, you know, he's only like 40-something years old. Dude yeah. has a lot going on. I don't think he needs Chris Paul to vouch for him in that way. So it, that's just the part of it where it doesn't quite add up to me of why he would feel the need to do this outside of a genuine just like being put off by the fact that Isaiah Thomas is involved here. And I don't know what the reason behind that would be, why he's concerned about it, but that part seems to be true that he just does not like that this is where the things are headed for this team. Yeah. It could just be that Isaiah Thomas is around the building now and he's in the office with HBO and they could be making decisions, but I think to, and I hate having to defend Isaiah Thomas right now because I hate everything about like even the possibility of this, but to put it on those two and be like, they wanted to make this happen. So they made it happen as well because we wanted to make this happen. Well, yeah, but that's the part of it, right? It's like, I don't even know if he thinks, I don't even know if Chris Paul believes that. The point was just to bring Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, he just up. wanted to be like, hey guys, Isaiah Thomas is yeah. in the building. Hey guys, and Isaiah Thomas. And so that's the part of it where it's like, why? Yeah. You know? I think and I don't know the it, answer. Yeah, I don't, yeah, it's a weird thing. Like, either he has his pulse, like his fingers to the pulse of the Suns fandom, and he knew that we would be like, oh God, no. Or he, really believes it like I don't know it's either it's either or yeah I mean it's like even if he doesn't have some sort of moral disagreement with it or basketball disagreement with it either I do feel like Chris Paul is the type of guy that one thing that I mean when I say petty god and like my tweet about if you don't think Chris Paul was intentional about all this you don't you absolutely do not know Chris Paul like it's like going viral in a way that I like very few of my tweets ever have and I'm like is this a surprise <laughs> to people or did I just do the thing where I worded something in a big way that makes people get, get gets people's attention on Twitter I'm not really sure but I do think there's a level of the pettiness when I say that about him that what I mean is I think that he has a little bit of a disdain for how things work in the NBA. And I think that that could be simply what's happening here is that it's just like, he did obviously agree to this. He knew some of this was coming, but I think when he just sees different people getting involved and different people shoving their noses where they shouldn't be and all this. And he's like, I'm Chris Paul. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I'm, I matter more in this situation than any of you. I get how the business works, but that doesn't mean it has to be so disrespectful. I mean, I'm kind of assuming things now, but like that's kind of where I feel like a lot of this might be coming from. And so I think there could just be a level of like, again, verging on calling people liars, but I do think Ishbia has not been honest about this. Mm -hmm. um, I think there could just be a level of Chris Paul being like, I don't have to keep a secret anymore. This dude's involved. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> 
Now everybody knows. And I think yeah. that could just be part of it because he's had to watch Ishbia just basically say multiple times, point blank, that this is not happening when it is. Yeah, I, it, it could definitely be that. And even I can't wait to figure out what Aiden's going to say after all, after all the smoke clears. I think he's going to be the chattiest one of all. So, like, yeah, it could be so much going on behind closed doors. And once they don't have to be there anymore, they would do it. I mean, if anybody was going to, like, say or put it all out there, it would be Jay Crowder. Like, he did nothing but <laughs> clock and eye emojis for a whole year and didn't play a game for us. And he still I don't think he's. Really... I don't think he was around enough in the Ishbia era to, <laughs> no, to have an opinion. No, I don't mean for that. You know, I but... mean, like, in general, like, yeah. he said nothing about, like, everybody's like, things are going on in the locker room uh, two years ago. Things are going on in the locker room, and we never mm -hmm. heard anything still. So, like, yeah, maybe Aiden will be the chatty one, and if we hear it again then I'll definitely believe it. But it's it just seems like one of those things he knew would kind of blow up. Um, and also, Chris Paul has never really had issues with Monster signing his checks. So there's a lot of owners that he was kind of fine with that he never really kind of uh, talked about. I think a better way to put it might be that Chris Paul knows most of them are monsters. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know, uh, <laughs> might just be the way to, to, go, to go about saying that. Um, I think that the last thing I'll say, because I do just want to, instead of beating around the bush, Isaiah Thomas is both bad at his job and has moral uh, ethical concerns about bringing him into a basketball organization. The dude settled for $10 million with a woman in the Knicks organization who credibly accused him and was found to be true in a civil suit that he sexually harassed her. That's not a disagreement or an alleged or anything. I'm allowed to say that because it's legally been proven. That is <laughs> a fact about Isaiah Thomas. He also was awful at his job throughout the entirety of his time running the Knicks to the point that it set them back and, and is a big part of where the Knicks were for all those periods of time between Pat Riley and, I guess, Jalen Brunson resuscitating them. Um, that's true, too. And so it's just like no matter what angle you look at this from, it is bizarre and very like apt for how people with money do stuff that uh, Matt Ishbia would find a right-hand man who just got to know him or said the right words or they just are buddies and, you know, smoke cigars or play poker, do whatever it is that they do together and decided that is the guy who was going to have his ear when and if he ever became an NBA owner. It just, it, it makes perfect sense and it also makes no sense. And I guess from a human standpoint, let's hope that Isaiah Thomas keeps his uh, attitude and behavior and, and personality in check in such a way that those people who work there do not have to go through all of that again because we thought that was behind us here in Phoenix from an NBA standpoint. And I guess you just kind of pray that having as much talent as the Suns now have protects you from uh, the, the mismanagement that may or may not be there. Um, real quick, like 30 seconds, Aaron, would you be worried about your job if you're James Jones? More than we more than we already thought he might be with the new owner. No, like like we said earlier, like I think they're just gonna, if anything, promote him higher and then kind of just put somebody below him to technically have the job. But I think he's kind of be with he's gonna be with the Suns for a while. Seems that way. Uh, we'll see what happens. All right, let's have some fun to close the show. The Suns have a trade exception. I have not brought that up as I've been previewing the offseason day by day, but they have it by way of the Dario Sharich trade. In February, they can use it all the way through next February, but it might make sense to try and go ahead and use that now. We'll talk about what their op options are with that $5 million trade exception next. First, today's show brought to you by the FanDuel Sportsbook. 
The official sports betting partner of the Locked On Podcast Network and baseball season is in full swing, meaning there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, which is also America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash Locked On to join today. We have odds for the draft, which is actually interesting, and I might have to go ahead and put some money down here. The number three overall pick is interesting. Sounds like Brandon Miller might fall. You currently can get plus 1,400 odds on Amen Thompson, plus 2,900 odds on Cam Whitmore to go number three overall. Those might be interesting. Sprinkle a little on each one. You might get a big payday. Don't miss your chance to snag that no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball and the NBA. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Okay, closing out the show, quicker segment here. Trade exception, $4.9 million. But as you may or may not remember, everyone listening, the Suns don't have anything else to add to a trade at this point in time, unless they were to do campaign, which I don't think you even can do that. I don't think you can add players and trade exceptions. And if they, if you can, I don't know how it works. So we're not going to talk about it. Basically $5 million is the idea, but they can't add a first. They can't add a second, which is normally what you do. A trade exception is basically, you're just absorbing a whole player salary into a pocket of money that the league agrees you're allowed to have because of the way that your past trade worked. So because Sharich made so much more than Baisley, that's kind of how this ended up happening. Um, the first place that my mind went, Aaron, is a guy we've talked about a few times, which is Kobe White. I was just, I was like, he's going to say Kobe White. <laughs> yeah, because so Kobe White makes, uh, I'm not sure how this works. He makes $7.4 million, so it doesn't fit perfectly. But you're basically looking at guys like that, players who, the incumbent team for cap reasons, tax reasons, whatever, might not want to keep, but who the Suns maybe would want to take on and pay because uh, they're paying a bunch of money. So like Peyton Pritchard is another one. That's a guy we've heard the Suns link to. Honestly, to me, I don't know if you remember when all those guys like Emmanuel Quickly and Peyton Pritchard and whatnot were getting, I think Jake Fisher had a bunch of those names and we were all kind of like, how'd that even yeah. work? <laughs> I think it was this. I think it was this trade exception where the Suns were looking around and thinking, you know, how can we potentially get another younger guard onto our team? Um, I just don't really know who they're going to be able to get if they literally can't even add like a second round pick to this. Yeah, I I don't know how they're going to end up using this, honestly. I don't even know. The Kobe White thing I was going to say before you said it, but even if that doesn't match up. So yeah, I don't really know what we can do. Like the cap situation, if we really went give these three, figure out the rest later. And that's literally what we're at now. <laughs> I thought of uh, Jackson Hayes, which is a name that I've stopped saying quite as much. Once I looked into the background on how that court case went yeah. ahead uh, and proceeded. Um, I, I don't know if anyone is going to be in the business of trying to bring him in uh, TBD, but he's, <laughs> Too expensive also. Um, I think he made like $6 million. Um, I'm looking through... I, I, I feel like... So, again, you're looking at players who are on expensive teams. So, somebody like... Uh, like Kyra Lewis from the Pelicans might fit if he's traded in the next few days. Um, you're looking at guys like... Uh, I, I thought of the two uh, G League Ignite players from... 
Dallas and Milwaukee, Jaden Hardy and Marjan Bochamp, both of those guys had pretty solid rookie seasons and they're uh, on expensive teams. I just don't really know why another team would play ball yeah. with the Suns on that. Here, just have our player. We know you're cap strapped and you have no anything to give us, but like we'll do you the, the solid. Like I just I don't know if they're gonna be able to do something. Maybe they just wait till the deadline. Yeah, I think the draft is gonna be where a lot of people start figuring out what they want to do with their rosters and we're still got a couple stars to move and we still have free agency. So I think that's when the Suns are gonna figure out exactly what they're gonna do with this tiny bit of space they have left. Did uh, is there any minimum player that you're more excited about than you were now that you know, like, okay, it's also you're signing up to play with Beal? Like, is there anyone you have your eyes on? I know the Fultz thing is just taking up every ounce of your attention right now. Yeah, but, I was, uh, was going to say it. <laughs> but have you had the chance to think about any minimum guys? I did eight and trades yesterday. If there's an eight and trade outside of Fultz that excites you, you can share that here too. But uh, the minimum guys... I'm trying to get my head around, like, who would really take that big of a pay cut? Um, I saw, like, the thing about Otto Porter today. I think he's at this point is his, at a point in his career where shooting corner threes and taking less money is probably all he's going to get now. He doesn't finish seasons. He's always hurt. And, yeah. <laughs> Kelly Oubre? Return of Kelly Oubre? <laughs> yeah. <at> the minimum? <laughs> I don't know. It's always just it, – it is such a surprise that it's kind of hard to predict, like – just every so often, guys just decide that they're fine making way less money than you maybe thought that they would be okay with. Um, Goran Dragic keeps coming to mind, but I feel like there is a chance that he's just cooked. Yeah, I think he is. Because <laughs> I would have said that maybe a year ago. <laughs> yeah, before this weird Bulls thing where I don't even know why he chose to go to Chicago and then he didn't play particularly well. Yeah. Do you think somebody will be dumb enough to bot to allow the Suns to buy a high second round or late first round pick like the Warriors used to do, or have teams gotten smarter and and realized that is just going to make them be like the butt of every NBA joke? Like, the, remember how many didn't the Bulls sell like two or three straight picks to the Warriors? It was just like every year yeah. <laughs> they went ahead and did that. I just feel like teams are smarter than that now, but that's what the, the Suns are going to be calling on that too. Yeah, I don't think anybody's going to be in the business of helping us out for a while. <laughs> They're the biggest, let's end on this. How big of an enemy of the Suns is, or are the Suns to the rest of the league? Like, can you put into perspective for people how hated this team is going to be? I think people aren't really, don't really hate us because I think they're, they think we're doing it all wrong. So I think they just That's are true. waiting for us to fail. So I think that if anything, they're like, go on, do it. Like, we're just going to make fun of you when this doesn't work out. So I don't really think they think we're enemies. So maybe favor, no favors, but also not necessarily hatred. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that feels fair. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I, I wanted to throw the, the trade exception thing out there just because I haven't talked about it. And the minimums, I'm not sure. I mean, I know, again, not always great to just sit here and say <laughs> things that I don't know. But the reality is it's just going to be Durant, Booker, Ishbia, Isaiah Thomas, James Jones just sitting there and having meetings with guys and being like, please take – two million dollars and and we'll give you a ring and we promise and please um and we'll see what <laughs> happens all right that'll wrap us up for the day though we'll have a bonus episode coming uh looking at the second round options for the sun some of the guys if they do end up buying a pick and then we'll have howard beck on thursday 
to break down this big three, he has been a hater uh, on all these other <laughs> shows, and I'm going to have to just kind of hold his feet to the fire, play you know the judge, attorney, whatever it might be, to, to get him to put some respect on the Suns' name. So tune in then. Hit follow or subscribe to get all those shows and more throughout the offseason in your feed. Become an everyday or get locked on to the Suns every day. And I'll talk to you guys then. <laughs>